Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, a product of Talent 409. I'm your host, Colin Cernelia. Go to talent409.com to see how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. On each episode of the pod, we'll bring you conversations with people that display the seven pillars of dynamic leadership. Someone who possesses those seven pillars has courage, driving accountability, integrity, grit, great communication skills, a high level of emotional intelligence, and they can motivate others. Have questions for me or a guest? Email Colin, C-O-L-I-N, at talent409.com. And let's chat. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Radio.com, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. If you like the show, please take a minute and on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Help us find other dynamic leaders and help dynamic leaders find us. On to my featured conversation today, which is with Gracie McBride. Gracie is a freshman track and field student athlete at Davidson University here in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. She comes from Gainesville, Georgia, where in high school she was a three-time 7-3A triple jump champion, and she holds her school record for the triple jump and the 100-meter hurdles. I think it's always great when we get to bring a current collegiate student athlete on. Their perspective is so unique from the majority of the guests that we've had on the pod before. So I know you are going to enjoy this conversation. Let's not waste any more time. Here is my talk with Gracie McBride. Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, my guest on the line with me is Gracie McBride. Gracie, thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I'm glad to hear that you're excited, and I'm certainly excited to learn a little bit more about you and what you got going on. I know you have a bright, young, athletic career ahead of you, but before we get too far ahead in the conversation, first, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself. So please tell us, who are you? from Gainesville, Georgia. I'm a hurdler and triple jumper on the track team here at Davidson College. So I'm really blessed to be in such a great place here. But I got my start in sports. Actually, I showed horses for 11 years and started running track in eighth grade. And then I fell in love with that sport and just shifted my focus to track. So here I am now. Very cool. So you are just a freshman at Davidson, correct? Yes. Yeah. So Davidson University, Davidson College, for those that don't know, is in Charlotte, North Carolina. So Gracie and I are both in the greater Charlotte area. And Gracie, I want to start just backtrack even a little bit further. So you mentioned horses being maybe one of the first avenues, if you will, to get into sports and just to have something that you felt enjoyment from and fulfillment from. Tell us a little bit about how that all got started. Like, how did you get involved in that in the first place? Well, when I was about six years old, 
my older sister, who's three years older than I am, went to a birthday party and she got to ride horses there with one of her good friends and she fell in love with the animals there. And of course, as a young kid, I was just, I was always outside. I always loved to play with our pets. I just loved animals so much. And so she wanted to start riding horses regularly and take lessons. And of course, you know, me being the younger sister, I was like, oh, I wanted to do it too. I wanted to be like her and do what she did. So <laughs> we got started together and that was really fun. And then it just kind of escalated from there. I, um, it took me a few years to take it seriously, if I'm being honest, because I just wanted to play around and love on all the, the animals that were at the barn. But then um, I started really enjoying the part where we got to compete and I was just so excited every time we got to go out and see what we could do and see how, see how far we could get. And um, I just fell in love with competing. So how do you compete in a sport like that? Like, what is the preparation process like? Oh, it's a lot. It's <laughs> so it takes a lot to get the horse prepared. You have to, you know, there's a lot that goes into training you and your horse together to you know, learn how to ride the horse. But for each individual horse show, you get all your crazy amount of gear ready for you and your horse. And you go travel as far as anywhere, really. I mean, I went, I traveled once I got up to a higher level all around the country in the South mostly, but it was really time consuming. Yeah. It's really hard to explain actually, if you're not as familiar with competing with an animal, because you have to really make sure that you and the animal are on the same page, which is hard because <laughs> they don't speak. Sure. So you can't say, Hey, we're going to go compete this weekend. You have to really make sure that you have practiced with the animal. You're really familiar with your particular horse. And um, it, you know, learning to ride a horse is a lot harder than learning to ride a bike or learn any other sport because you can't speak and you can't communicate. So you just have to really learn to trust yourself and the animal, which is scary sometimes because things go wrong and people get hurt. But um, it's really also important to trust whoever's instructing you and who's coaching you that they know what they're doing. And, I mean, that's true in anything really, but. Sure. So you did have somebody that an adult per se that was assisting you and coaching you up, especially when you were, like you said, you started when you were six years old. And I can imagine that that would have been a challenge to do on your own, right? For sure. Yeah, cool. Very cool. So you do this until roughly about eighth grade, as you mentioned. And then so I think I read that one of the reasons that you fell in love with track and field in the first place is because after some of the horse events, you would run around, jump over the horse hurdles. And somebody yeah. said something to you that maybe this should be something that you do for an athletic career or you know, your uh, amateur career, if you will. But Tell us a little bit about how you actually got started with track and field. <laughs> right. So that is true. After um, after horse shows and after lessons, I would go out with some of my friends to the arena and set up the horse jumps to this. At the time, I you know, I wasn't as tall as, and, as I am now, so it wasn't that high. But I think the highest I ever got was like four feet. But I would just run as fast as I could and jump over them and just kind of fling myself at it and hope for the best but um 
my friends were like, whoa, you should, you should try hurdling. And at the time I was like, yeah, okay, that would be cool. But I wasn't old enough. I was still, um, in elementary and middle school. And, um, so then at my middle school, students are able to start running track in seventh grade, but I was at the time I still had the horses and it was taking up a lot of my time. So I waited until eighth grade. And then for a while, for about two years, I did both sports and then my focus kind of shifted in 10th grade. So did it shift for any particular reason? Was that the moment where maybe you started to have some colleges start to get interested in you? What made you shift that so that you solely focused on track and field? Yeah. So showing horses, there's a lot of politics involved, especially at the higher level. And so it can be really tricky. Even if you go out there on your best day and you and your horse just rock it, the judge may not like your coach or some drama could be in the background that keeps you from placing where you really deserve to place. And what I liked about track was that it was very cut and dry. So if you're the fastest and you win, that's it. You know that you're good. And I really liked that part of it because it's really frustrating when you work really hard at something that you love and then something that is totally out of your control keeps you from doing as well as you can. So I really loved that with track, I could work as hard as I could and do what I could control. And if I didn't win, then I know there's something that I could have done better. So that's really what kind of shifted my focus and made me want to continue with track. So you end up having a pretty decorated high school career. I think I read three-time, seven AAA, triple dump champion. You hold your high school triple jump and 100-meter hurdle records. Tell us about the moment when you knew this could be real, like you could take this to the next level. Well, actually, (laughs) in eighth grade is when I really gained the confidence for that. My coach in eighth grade was one of my good friend's moms, actually. And um, she was like, oh, you're natural. You're natural at this. And I was like, okay, I I don't know, but I'll give it a shot. (laughs) And so I started working really hard. And then in middle school, I broke the triple jump and hurdles record. So that was cool. I mean, I was like, oh, well, maybe this is something I can also do well in high school because it's a lot different at that level, even because you're competing against seniors and the people that have been training for a long time. And so once I got to high school and then I saw that I was close to the records there. And then once I actually broke them, I was thinking that like, Oh, I I really can do this. I can compete with the people that are above me and more physically mature than I am, which I thought was really cool. So that gave me a lot of confidence to keep pushing myself. Now through your recruiting process, I'm, can imagine that you got a few different offers and got an opportunity to visit a few different schools. Tell us about the overall process and how you ended up at Davidson. It was a very, very long process that actually started my junior year officially because the the rules are different for each sport, but for the people out there that are maybe in high school that are looking to be a college athlete, The process really starts with knowing the rules, and um, like I said, they're different. So just study up on those. But for me in particular, I could not have done this without the help of my dad and my coaches, who were just so supportive. It was really exciting when the school started to reach out to me 
and there were opportunities for me to, you know, get on a plane and go up and visit some schools that I never, you know, in my first two years of high school, never thought that I would be able to attend because the schools in particular that I visited are schools that don't allow athletes to come on an official visit if they're not academically qualified, which was really important to me because academics are really important to me personally. But um, it was a process that helped me learn a lot about myself and especially what I look for in a coach and in a team because my high school was, I had a very small team, which I enjoyed, but I was kind of looking for something where I could feel more like a part of a team that cared a lot. Not that the people in high school didn't care, but a lot of people do it just for the social aspect. People in division one colleges don't get there by accident, you know? So I learned a lot about what I also look for in a coach and um, the coaches I had in high school were amazing and they were so supportive and I love them a lot. And I wanted to look for a college coach that had the same practices in just really helping me in my confidence and know that I deserve to be there because sometimes even here at Davidson, it's kind of overwhelming to be with such good athletes and such smart people that like sometimes you don't really feel like you belong here, which everyone experiences that I've talked to. But um, yeah, it's just, it's a really intense process when people start reaching out and you're kind of limited on how many visits you can take. So it's, it's hard to decide where you want to go, but it's, it was fun. <laughs> it was really fun. I met a lot of cool people. Awesome. So I want to unwrap a few things there. And here's where I want to start. I read an interview when you committed to Davidson, you did a short interview, I think. And one of the quotes I read was that you are a really, really shy person. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned just before about building up that confidence and just how I think naturally, if you're more of an introvert or a shy person, just being in a an open setting, a very competitive setting, like a team setting, like you are in sports can sometimes be overwhelming. It can be something that can really crush your confidence if <laughs> you don't have it already built up. I'd love to hear how maybe sports in general or the people that have you've surrounded yourself with in track and field, how they've helped you build your confidence to the point where now you're here, right? You're at Davidson, you're competing and you know that you belong. Right. So the confidence building and the self-awareness of me being an introvert actually goes all the way back to the second grade, which <laughs> wow. is a, a little bit of a long story, but I was extremely shy. I did not want to speak to anyone. And um, I was asked to give a class presentation and I was excited. You know, I, I was very, very nervous, but my mom was going to come watch. And so I was like, okay, she'll be there for me. It's fine. But after my presentation was over and it was a huge relief, I sat back down and my teacher came over and she said, your mom was late and she missed the presentation. Could you do it again? And I just immediately was so upset. I was like, oh no, I, I did it. Now I have to do it again. And she missed it. I was sad that she wasn't there. But so I got up and I tried to do it again and I could not speak. I just started crying. I was so upset. And so after that, my, my dad helped me so much. He said, I want you to take this Myers-Briggs type for kids personality test. And mm -hmm. I said, okay. 
And so that is what helped me understand that I was an introvert, that I wasn't stupid because I couldn't speak eloquently as a second grader. But anyway, so (laughs) just having that knowledge as a young kid that I was just introverted, nothing was wrong with me, helped me even have the confidence to start competing with the horses and then start running track. So once I got that far, the confidence that I gained from my coach in eighth grade, who was like so encouraging and my friends around me that were like, Oh, you should try, you should try hurdling. That was like, okay, well maybe, maybe I am good at this. And you know, in high school, you can't choose your teammates exactly, but the people that you surround yourself with on your team can be chosen. And there were two good friends of mine, Emma and Ethan, who I could always count on to be there for me and encourage me on my team. And um, we all pushed each other. So it was really important that we had that. And we just helped feed each other's confidence while we were at track meets and while we were at practice. When you go out and be successful in something that you've worked hard for, you gain the confidence there. And then the confidence you have from that pushes you to work even harder. So it's like this cycle of success that just leads you to places like Davidson. I think it's really special and a really amazing attribute to be able to recognize and understand when you're as young as a second grader that just because you're an introvert doesn't mean that like you said, that you're stupid, that you can't keep up with, <laughs> keep up with everybody. Because when you're that young, it's it's difficult just to understand anything, but much less to understand the difference between being an introvert and an extrovert. I'm curious if throughout your, so elementary, middle school, and into high school, were you able to help other introverts if you had identified that they had that type of personality as well, and just say, hey, it's not the end of the world. Here's how I've gotten through it. Here's what you can do. Were you able to do that with anybody, like have that recognition and be able to help people? Absolutely. So I wasn't one of the people that had a huge friend group of outgoing people. I was more of the one-on-one kind of close, quieter friend. There were some people on the track team that that had the similar personality type that I did they a lot of times had trouble like even going up to ask for help or asking questions, which is so simple, but it can be overwhelming to especially younger athletes who don't really know what questions to ask. So this is another thing my dad and my parents helped me develop is my personal style of leadership as an introvert. Isn't the loud stand up in front of the group and cheer people on kind of leadership that uh, the introverts we don't really respond well to because we don't connect with that kind of energy. So it's, it was important to me that I gave the other quiet kids a chance to ask me questions, especially as a senior. I think a lot of them looked up to me. That was really important to me that I could be a role model for for them because I wanted to be the kind of quiet leader that I never had. So it was really, it was really cool to be able to do that. Absolutely. All right. A couple other things that I wanted to unpack from that initial part of our conversation here. So you talked about what you look for in a coach, what type of qualities you look for in a coach. Can you break that down a little bit more specifically? Right. So my my very first coach that I would say that I had was really 
at the higher level when I showed horses, once I got into really, really competing and I got serious, she was worth her weight in gold just as a person. She, you could tell she really, really cared because she was a tough coach, which was hard for me at times because I wasn't sure how to handle that when I was younger. I would, I don't think I was mature enough to really understand the amount of work that I was expected to do outside of the bare minimum of showing up and getting my horse ready and saying, okay, help me, help me learn something here. She had the, it seemed like the perfect balance of challenge and support where she would push me really, really hard, almost to the point where I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. It was just so challenging. But then she would back it up with encouragement and support and say, you can do this. You're great. If you keep working hard, you can be even better. And so that really helped me in the track sidings with the coaches that I had in high school where I think they trusted me a lot to do a lot of work on my own, which of course they were always very helpful when I needed them, but um, they, they didn't feel like they had to babysit me. They trusted that I would go out and do what I needed to do um, at the track or in the weight room. And it, I think having trust in a coach and coaches being able to trust their athletes is very special because especially in high school, a lot of people don't take things seriously. And so just to have the feeling that they knew I was going to do what I was supposed to do was really important. Now, when you're going through the recruiting process, so to bring us back to that, you are in a way choosing a coach as much as you are choosing a school. Were you able to almost interview your coaches and ask them questions that allowed you to understand a little bit more about their personalities and their coaching styles to see if that they were going to align with what you were looking for? Yeah, totally. So at the, on the visits, we got to stay with a host athlete that was on the team. So we could ask them questions about the coaches, which is always nice to hear from the perspective of an athlete. So it was really cool to me to hear stories about individual coaches with their athletes, you know, being encouraging or not being encouraging, depending on on the school, which is they're not always what you need personally in a coach. But also we did have individual meetings on visits with coaches. So they asked us questions about what we look for in a school and in a team. And in turn, we got to ask them questions about their values as coaches, whether it be, you know, I'm only here to win or I'm here to help you, you know, develop yourself outside of track and in track and in the classroom and in every way. And it's kind of hard sometimes to tell what the coach's values are without asking them, which can be intimidating sometimes. But it is really nice when a coach has kind of their coaching motto or, you know, way of operating described to you just to get a good understanding of how they are as a person and a coach, because you're going to be with them for four years and college is a time where you do learn a lot about yourself and it's important to have someone who can help you do that. Sure. Was there something in particular, if you can say that ultimately swayed you to commit to Davidson? Yeah. So the, the coaches here, of course, they're, they're great people. They're very nice. Um, but outside of that, 
the head coaches really did remind me of the first coach that I had in the horse world with the same challenge and support, whether or not overly just encouraging and just like, oh, you're, you're so great. You can do this. You can do this. But they're also, they're tough. You can tell that maybe they may or may not have been through something hard in their own life that helped them become a strong individual that serves also as a great role model, because I don't want to be someone who just kind of wanders through life, not really knowing what they want or how to ask for what they want. But when you have someone like a coach who can is assertive in the best way where they can say, here's what you need to do to get better at this. And here's the support to do it. That's just perfect for me. Hey everyone, Christine here to talk about a sponsor of this show, my own business, Sweat With Stods. Head over to sweatwithstods.com to get the workout that suits your needs, whether you work out at home, in the gym, or you're brand new to fitness, there's something for everyone. Podcast listeners also get a special discount with code DYNAMIC at checkout, so be sure to head on over there after this. Thanks, and back to the show. Let's talk about your freshman year transition from high school in Georgia to freshman year in college at Davidson. What's that been like overall for you? Have you enjoyed it so far? I have, but it has been hard. So I thankfully really like challenges I because I recognize that that's how you grow. But um, coming from a small high school to thankfully a small college that really Davidson really does fit my personality. It's there's a lot of other quiet people here and it's, it's a calm environment where you can learn easily, but um, the workload here is crazy. So (laughs) the classes are very, very hard. It's very rewarding when you get things right. So that's encouraging, but also on top of the workload in the classroom, the workload of being a division one athlete is a whole nother world because not every student here has a practice where they spend three hours of their day when they could be studying, but they're on the track and in the weight room, which I love. I, it serves as a great brain break just to do something physical that you enjoy. And that's also very challenging for a goal that you have in mind. But um, it's definitely been an adjustment getting used to, you know, even just living with another person in the room and making new friends. And it's been pretty emotional because I've been able to look back at my childhood and see how the support of my family and the love that they gave me really did get me here. So it's been hard to move away from them is also another aspect of change. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot that happens in a really short period of time and you have a lot to look forward to still. If you could pick one thing, what do you think is one of the biggest surprises that whether it's good or bad that you've had since you got to Davidson? Oh man. I think I was surprised at how quickly I was able to make good friends and not that I'm incapable of making friends, but um, (laughs) I did have a good group of the track team that just kind of naturally served as a friend group. But outside of that, 
the people that I really hang out with the most aren't athletes. And so it was just kind of crazy how you can find the people that you connect with the most. And then you're just, because you live on the same campus, you get to hang out with them and you get to see them so much. Whereas in high school, you know, you see the same people every day, but people form their groups and aren't really willing to go outside of them. But here people have their groups, but they're just so friendly. I just love it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And I know you're, obviously just starting off college and maybe you haven't figured all this out yet, but what do you envision for yourself after college? Do you want to try to compete professionally in track and field? Do you want to move into some type of business venture? Have you given any thought to that? I know it's still at least four years out, but I'm just curious if you've given any thought to that. It is really early, but as of right now, I would love to major in neuroscience, which at Davidson is an interdisciplinary major that you have to apply for and write a proposal. So I'll need to start thinking about that next year. But I would really love to go to medical school, which is a daunting thought because there's a lot that goes into that in itself. But I think with what I've learned from being an athlete and working hard to get to Davidson, that I'll be fine and that I can make it happen. Okay. Can you give us a little insider look into all the inner workings of your track and field team, what it's been like, what you're looking to accomplish as an individual and as a team. So let's start with, and you can be as detailed as you can be without giving away secrets, obviously, but let's, let's start with just the inner workings of the team itself. Is it pretty much a combination of people that are from different parts of the country? Are they more local to the South? Where are the people that you're competing with coming from? Well, a lot of the people at Davidson and on our team individually is they are from the South and the surrounding states of North Carolina, but there are a few international students and there's people from all over the country, which is really cool to me to be able to meet people that aren't like me and aren't from the same area. Whereas in high school, everyone was, you know, kind of the same, which was boring. But um, so it's really cool to talk about how track and field works differently in different states and even other countries. So it's been cool to learn from them. Has there been anything that in particular you've been able to learn that you can take with you? I know obviously college rules are going to be different than high school rules too, but have you learned something from one of your teammates that you've been able to apply now to your collegiate career? I have learned something that was kind of profound to me, not necessarily in regards to track, but, oh, well, he was talking about track, but it kind of applies to life in general. We, um, every Saturday practice, when we get done, we, we sit in a group and we talk about our wins from the week and our learns from the week. And his particular thing that he learned that week was that no matter how hard of a week you're having, you could always do one little thing just a little bit better. And that was really cool to me to hear. I know he wasn't talking about like a specific track thing, but that was just, it was cool to be able to learn their insights of what, especially as he was, he's a senior on the team. So it was cool to be able to know that, he still is learning things like that and that it's hard, but you just got to keep, keep learning as much as you can from the people around you. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great life lesson. Like you said, it doesn't necessarily need to just apply to track, although you can apply it to track, but just to say that take it small bites, right? One step at a time, one day at a time, just learn a little bit more, be a little bit better than you were yesterday. And I think that's something that we could all take away from this conversation at the very least. (laughs) (laughs) So if I had to ask you to describe the culture of your team, say I was a prospective candidate to be on the track and field team and I'm coming for a visit and you really want me because I'm I'm super fast. I can jump really high. I've got it all. How would you sell me on the culture if that was one of the most important things for me? Oh, man. Well, the culture of the team is amazing, especially right now we're working within our event group. So I haven't – it's still really early in the year. So I haven't really had a chance to get more connected with the other event groups like the sprinters and the distance runners. Our particular event group we laugh so much. I've never laughed so hard in my life. So (laughs) we can joke around and really build relationships with each other. But at the same time, we're all very focused because we're all there to be able to be our strongest and compete as best we can. And we really do encourage each other, even though we're still getting to know each other. So we don't have a huge background with each other yet, but we'll get there. So It's just really nice to see that even though we aren't super close yet, as we haven't competed with each other at this point, but we're still pushing each other and still just laughing together and being friends. Yeah, obviously you want to have fun. So that's a super important aspect to everything. How about, so track and field is obviously a very singularized and individualized type of sport but it's still a team sport. How do you support each other knowing that your individual efforts are so important to the team efforts? Whereas like in a basketball or a soccer, it's maybe not as important for you to absolutely win your competition or absolutely win that loose ball. Like the team can pick you up a little bit more than you can in a track and field. So how do you go about supporting one another? Just knowing that, it's a team sport, but it's probably more individualized than maybe any other sport out there. Right. It's easy in the way that you can, while you're competing, you know, cheer for them, yell and do your best kind of thing at them while they're running. But um, it really goes outside of that, even in practice and everyday life together when, you know, especially when you live on campus, it's important to build relationships with each individual so they know that you're there for them. So when they are competing, even though you're not all on the field together at once trying to score points together, you're still in it for them. So while you're running your individual race and you hear people yelling your name and encouraging you, you're like, oh, I'm doing this for me individually in this race right now, but I'm also doing it for them so we can all be proud of each other and proud of our team as a whole. We've talked a little bit about some leadership attributes that you have and some things that you've identified throughout your life. And I keep getting an inkling here and there that maybe a leadership role is something that you aspire to be in at some point or another. Is that something that you want to do on your track and field team or even in school, like maybe take up a leadership position in a volunteer group or something like that? 
Uh, definitely. It, that's something that was really important to me in high school. I had a lot of leadership roles in our county's 4-H club, and uh, that was really special to me. It was a fun fun experience, but I did learn a lot. So, um, yeah, it is important to me, like I mentioned earlier, to be in a leadership role because even as a, a second grader, that's something I never thought that I could do because I couldn't speak in front of people and I was scared. <laughs> but then once I, I, I got out of that mostly, which of course a little bit of that is still there because I'll always be an introvert and that's just something that I do live with. But I, I think I love that about myself because it gives me a chance to understand the quieter people and lead them in a different way that they can respond to they can respond to it better. So I would love to take up a leadership role here for sure. So you were put in a position where you were a co-leader, co-captain of some type. And the co-captain, co-leader is more of the extrovert. And obviously you are more of the introvert. How do you think you would respond to that in terms of trying to build a working relationship with them? Like, how do you work with somebody who doesn't have the same personality type as you? I think it would definitely be challenging in a way. But um, if I could sit down with the co-leader and say, hey, you definitely are more loud and outgoing and more of a cheerleader type than I am. So if you want to lead the group in that way, and then I can kind of not follow behind, but, you know, maybe fill in the gaps with the, the people that don't respond well to that um, and just kind of pick up on the, the little signs of people that aren't really loving that style sure. of leadership. And then with both of us, both of the, the um, introverting and extroverting types, I think, though it would be challenging, it would be helpful as a whole to, like, connect with each different individual on the team. I'm making you think a little bit here. So take a minute. I, I understand I didn't prep you for this, but I'm curious in just terms of your direct communication with that person. So say you are trying to come up with what you're going to do at practice or like the message that you want to convey to the team for any particular reason. And you're trying to communicate with an extrovert and you already realize that you're probably going to be on different wavelengths would you want to be the one that initiates that conversation just being the introvert introvert and taking that person aside and saying, you know, Hey, this is, this is the message I'm trying to cultivate. This is what I want to say. Maybe you're the one that can, can help me get it out there, but can we work together? Like, how do you just in terms of like one-on-one -on -one communication with that other person, how do you think you would go about that process? Yeah. So as an introvert, even, the one-on-one -on -one stuff can be kind of scary. It feels very confrontational, mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't like regardless of personality type. But sure. um, it's really important to go into a conversation like that, really sure of yourself and what, what you're looking for and sure of your values. So it, it is really important to be self-aware, which thankfully I have developed and will always still continue to develop because I don't think it's something that really has an end point. But, um, yeah, it's really important that you are prepared and you know what you want out of the conversation going into it. 
yeah, I love that. The self-awareness piece and just understanding that that doesn't end now just because you figured it out. You're always going to have to be self-aware. Circumstances are going to change. You're going to change as a person throughout your experiences. So I love that perspective. I have a couple questions here that I want to finish off our conversation with today. The first is, so (laughs) you're not the first person to say this. I've had a few different track and field, cross country, any type of runners on the podcast before. And you said it earlier in the conversation, and I think pretty much it's a common thread between runners of any type is that one of the reasons that you like this type of competition is because it's so cut and dry. Either you are winning or you're losing, you know where you stand, you know what type of work you have to put in. In a more general setting, like even in school, I feel like probably isn't as cut and dry as track and field is. I mean, yeah, you get grades and I guess that can help you determine where you stand amongst some of your peers or even just in against your own goals for yourself. But in a more general setting, just knowing that that's the type of competition that you like, how are you going to react or how do you react when the facts aren't as cut and dry and you have to maybe dig a little bit deeper to understand where you need to improve to get a little bit better? It's challenging for me, especially I've always been the type that really needs structure and I need clear direction. So when I don't get that, it's kind of, I don't really know where to start. It's hard sometimes to know which questions to ask to get that extra information. But I think once you take a step back and you look at all the information that you are given and all the, the things that are flying at you in your life, it's helpful to just take a break and regroup and think, yeah, okay, maybe this isn't so cut and dry, but that's okay. Not everything needs to be easy mm-hmm. because then you won't grow from that. So having to put yourself out there and dig for what you need is hard, but it's helpful in the end. Yeah. And I think one of the things I want to reiterate for the listening audience that you unlocked there is two things. You, again, just self-awareness, you've identified that the type of environment that you thrive in is going to be a structured environment. So that's just naturally what you're going to seek, whether that be a team or a workplace in the future. Those are the type of environments that naturally you're going to be more inclined to want to be around. That doesn't mean you're always going to be in those situations, but at least you have the awareness to know if you're not in it, that you need to do point number two, which you said is ask questions. That's how you get that information to make it a little bit more cut and dry. If something's a little bit more general and you're not really sure, it can be natural to wonder those questions in your head, but a lot of us just don't actually verbalize them. Like we don't ask the people that can really help us (laughs) grow or get through that challenge, whatever it is. So I love that you pointed that out, that asking a lot of questions can really help you through those challenges. And if it's something, you know, you're not in a structured environment, it can just really help you thrive and succeed from there. All right. So Gracie, this show is called Dynamic Leaders. And obviously you are on the show because I've identified you as somebody that has already displayed a lot of really great leadership qualities in your life. And you aspire to do a lot of really great things here in the future as well. But I love to give my guests an opportunity to shout out one or two people that have influenced them in their lives. And I know it's really hard to narrow it down to maybe one or two people, but is there somebody that you want to shout out today that has been an influencer or a leader in your life? Well, there's a lot. There, <laughs> I, you know, I mentioned the coaches that went back to 
the people that helped me with the horses. There are so many of them. Of course, my high school coaches were always so supportive and loving and just, they were just amazing. I couldn't ask for better coaches, but I would not be here if it weren't for my family. They just give me endless love and support and you know, my parents, my grandparents, and my sister, who's also my best friend, just, I could not have done it without them. And I thank them a lot for that. Well, that is certainly a great way to end this conversation. A great shout out for your family and everybody that you said has been loving and supportive of you. And I'm sure they will continue to be in the future (laughs) as well. So Gracie, I Really appreciate you taking some time here today. I know you're busy with school and track and everything that involves your freshman year now in college, but really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to talk to us on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. And that wraps up my conversation with Gracie. Thank you again to her for hopping on the podcast as her season gets underway. It'll be great to follow along and see how she does in her first collegiate competitions and just be able to follow along with her on her journey towards success. Shout out to my sponsor, Sweat With Stods. Go to www.sweatwithstods.com today and figure out what she can do for your fitness future tomorrow or in the new year. 2020 is fast approaching, and with that, we have a limited number of episodes remaining for the 2019 podcasting season. We will have one more guest episode one more solo pod, one more behind the seas with my wife, Christine, and one more lion chat with the great Danny Fay. Please stay tuned for all of that through the busyness of the holiday season. I'm also going to be playing the very best of 2019, so the podcast that got the most downloads for this past year. We've had some crazy competition. It was actually a very close race, but I've identified the two podcasts and I am letting those people know that their episodes will be rebroadcast during the weeks of Christmas and New Year's. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to those the first time, those will be rebroadcasted right here on the podcast feed. So make sure you subscribe, rate, review, keep coming back or you might miss something that can change your life. And with that, we are back next week with the final guest episode of 2019. 